You're listening to The Record Industry with Otto D. Coming at you live. Like a stare into the Eiffel Tower. Yes, which way? What, when, how? Mr. Otto D. Flip the track right now. Hey, I'm Otto D. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to listen to some great music and talk to some really cool people. And I know there's a lot of things you could be doing, so I appreciate that you're getting with this. Good evening. Check out one of my new favorites, a tune called Whatever Forever. When I'm slowly waking up to the screaming southern sun, marching straight at me like soldiers through my eyes. And is this all I'll ever be? Just so hung over in your sheets, and I'll be wondering about that all my life. But it's all Just keep laying there and smiling in your sleep. You're listening to The Record Industry with Otto D. Yes, you are. And I think that might be one of my new favorite bands. That's the Mowgli's out of California with a cut called Whatever Forever from their latest CD, which was actually released last month called 
Kids in Love, so you should check it out. And no, I didn't record it, and no, I didn't produce it, and no, I don't make any money if you buy it. But uh, I do like it a lot, and I like to share new music on the show as well as great stories. That's why I, in- I invite interesting people down for a chat. And a couple of weeks ago, we had a guest by the name of Nikki DiGiorgio, who was in, and uh, Nikki's back. Nikki, how are you doing? Doing great, Otto. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about why you're back. This is the <laughs> first time someone's been... Well, Sam's a regular guest now after he was his first yes. appearance, kind of a co-star here, but... Uh, as far as having a repeat guest, you're back, and it's kind of, you've been in between projects, maybe in between tours of duty. Yeah, I was on a ship for two weeks, which I think we may have talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, Dubai and Sri Lanka and Singapore. Came back, did a little gig in L.A., and here I am back home, cool. my new home in well, Phoenix. I we'll and, give, yeah. yeah, we'll give you something to do for a little while, see if we can't uh, keep you busy. Yep, sounds, and, sounds like fun. So we've got you on, and also our guest this evening is uh, a crazy into, uh, gentleman from northern just north of phoenix arizona sorry and he's a man of many talents a songwriter singer and author and a journalist mr alan DePerna. alan how are you doing I'm, I'm well Otto. how are you i'm really good thanks for making the drive down oh my pleasure my <laughs> you're pleasure. coming out of uh fountain hills and coming into town um i also want to make a real quick shout out to shannon for introducing us i appreciate that good friend of ours hello shannon thanks i'm sure she's doing nothing but listening to our program but uh, maybe later <laughs> Um, you, a lot of people send me bios to, you know, to introduce kind of their background, give us some talking points sometimes. And of course I asked for that, but, um, when I saw your bio, I just, I just chuckled because I've never read a bio, anything like it. And it's like, I could read this bio and not have a clue what it is you do, but, uh, so impressed with the stories pointed out that it's like, I just wanted to hear where all of this came from. And so if you don't mind, Alan, I'm actually going to start by reading your bio. Sure. Let's go. Okay, um, so I'll go through the front. Uh, appeared on Earth around the same time as rock and roll. Was there the night that Fillmore East caught fire? Uh, I, I'd like to know just where you were. Was summoned from Academia's Ivory Tower by the voice of Patti Smith, which I think is awesome. Owes oh, Steve Jones twenty bucks. We're gonna get on that. We're talk about that. <laughs> we'll get back to that. And did you see him in, in Californication where he was? That was a great role, <laughs> cast brilliantly. Uh, you talked to Lester Bangs on uh, Lester's Last Day Alive. That's an interesting point. You became an alien life form in an obscure 80s synth band. Uh, hurt your hand trying to play like Jeff Beck. Damaged auditory nerves and your liver trying to emulate Pete Townsend. I think we all have, can relate to that. <laughs> and I was told that your first article for Guitar World magazine contained too many ideas. Was menaced with a shotgun by Dave Navarro. We got to hear that. Was complimented on your wristwatch by Ringo Starr. Was vamped by Courtney Love. Witnessed Joe Strummer passing the torch to the Strokes in the VIP lounge of the Troubadour. Um, I, maybe that's the whole story, but what a place to be. Um, was very nearly vomited upon by John Fushanti, and I always wonder if that was before or after his 1999 rehab. Uh, was the before? Before, okay. <laughs> Good, good, good to hear. I was rescued on a mountainside by Rancid, you know, and was the subject of a psychic exper- experience on the part of Krishna Das, and once sat on Les Paul's lap. Now, that's a bio that most people would never live a life with this many stories to tell, and I'm sure this is just the tip of the iceberg. It's all true. It's all true. <laughs> now, where, what have you done, or where in the world have you been that you run into all these people and have all these experiences? Well, it's been my it's been my great pleasure for the past 35 years now, I guess, to be. Uh, gainfully mostly gainfully employed as as a rock journalist writing for rock magazines a lot of work for guitar world magazine guitar mm-hmm. aficionado but i've written for musician rolling stone billboard cream all of those so the 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 sweet thing about being a rock journalist is that they send you out to interview great musicians great artists and you basically just get to sit there and ask them uh you know, the kind of stuff that fans want to know, the kind of stuff that you want to know. Mm-hmm. It's nice uh, working for musical instrument magazines like like Guitar World and Musician because mm-hmm. uh, musicians love to talk about music and their instruments. Sure. A lot of times a critic, a journalist will go in and start off with theories about why, you know, you know why their last album was a sellout or something. And it's it's the surest way to get somebody to close down right. well, alienate you, them you come from a background of being a musician as well so yeah you so could immediately relate and get them open yeah it's like hey is, is that a les paul on that track or, or <laughs> i sat know. on his lap yeah <laughs> <laughs> that that, probably, that was les's idea okay that's pretty funny well listen let's jump into some of this just real quick it says uh oh steve jones 20 bucks is there an interesting story there 
I foolishly bet him as to who was the guitar player on the Mott the Hoople Mott album. I misremembered. I thought it was Ariel oh. Bender. And, uh, you know, I don't know why, you know. And you knew you were right. I thought I was right. I bet you 20 bucks. Yeah, he's like, 20 bucks says no. And, and I had the album, you know, it was on the, we were on the phone. Oh, so I my. pulled the album. It's like, it's like, oh, God, you're right. Okay. I, I haven't seen him since then. I always keep a 20 in my wallet so that I can, so that I can honor my, you know, because I'm, I'm a man who honors his obligations. Well, when, when it's convenient, he's <laughs> right, right, his name right on the side of that 20. So you, when you pull it out, that'd be funny. That's a pretty good one. Um, and then you also mentioned that you were summoned from Academia's Ivory Tower by the voice of Patti Smith. Does that mean you quit school when you heard that record? Is that what you're saying there? Basically, yeah. I was, uh, I was, I was working on my Ph.D. in English Lit at right. Michigan State University at the tail end of the 70s. Uh, had, had, hadn't lost interest in rock music, but, you know, in the 70s, things got a little dull. Not as good as they were. In, in yeah, the, I, a lot of people I know felt that, felt yeah. that way if you came up in the 60s, the, the 70s weren't interesting. Yeah. But then when punk happened, I was very excited, right. and I was studying poetry and everything, and here's this incredible woman presenting poetry and rock and roll, and mm-hmm. she had a song, probably shouldn't say the title because it might be offensive to some people, but there's a line, Do you like the world around you? Are you ready to be heard outside in society? And I said, yes. I want to, you know, I want to get out of academia. I know that voice. I know you. I'm with you. Where are you going? You know? No, that's pretty cool. And you, and so you, that inspired you, I guess, to to take a new path. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my dear wife, Robin, who's 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 here in the studio. Hi, with Robin. Us. Hi, Robin. <laughs> she had started up a, you know, she was also another great thing about punk rock is that it was very empowering for women. All of a sudden, women were getting in bands, starting bands. Mm-hmm. Robin has great ear, be- better ear than mine. Took up the bass guitar, started a band. I was drafted in because I knew how cool. to play. So we said, "Oh, let's go to let's let's move back to New York City, where we're from, and become rock stars." But and th- you did kind of. You started a band and started playing. Yeah, yeah. Got in a band, started playing. Needed needed a day gig, right? Uh, and was fortunate to be hired on a music magazine, and that's really how oh cool that's how i started doing what i do so that's pretty cool so you had that gig and you were playing in a band so you must this must have been like just the height of your career you're like oh my god this can't get better than this i'm playing in a band and i'm working for a magazine writing music stories trying to get signed to a label of course which didn't happen we had uh sony in the early days of music video uh would release these video packages basically you know like a video cassette with like songs from bands and everything, and we got on a compilation. Shock Slumania got on a on a Sony compilation called Dance Pack Two, but and Shock Slumania was the name of your band. Oh right, that was the name of the group. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you did get on a compilation at least that came out and got a little feedback. Did you see any reviews? Oh uh, no. Okay. Not a okay. cent. <laughs> well, our phone. You know, we do have a phone and people can call in. Let's see if we get some reviews. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the number's on the website. Go look at it. Uh, let's, we actually have a, you were kind enough to bring me a cut uh, from that band, uh, Shocks Lumania. And it was interesting to hear quickly the name Lumania, where that came from and what, what was entailed with all that. Go ahead, if you wouldn't mind sharing that with me. Oh, well, yeah, the band was the brainchild of a kind of poet performance artist named Larry Shocks, who is unfortunately no longer with us. And it, it was kind of a concept group. Larry had this idea of, uh, what, what was it, a subterranean culture, Robin, called, called the Lumanians, who were like very advanced people, very peaceful and loving, and who commu- could communicate telepathically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the music was attempting to evoke that to some extent. A lot of costumes, a lot of makeup. I always say, we had a great makeup artist. We didn't have a sound man, <laughs> but we had a makeup artist. And uh, so I, I think the track you've got queued up is... I Have No Shoes. Yeah, is that, which, that was kind of Larry's, one of his signature songs. The band went through countless lineups. Each lineup had its own little arrangement. So Okay, and so your role in this particular recording, you're playing guitar... Um, I'm on uh, synthesizers, keyboards, oh, okay. program the drums on this. And is he singing the song, or are you singing the song? I think there's a female voice on it as well. Robin singing? Female voice is Robin, the okay. opera, operatic right. quasi-Lena Lovitch vocals. She's uh-huh. on bass guitar. Larry Shocks is the singer. 
Oh, and there's a cat named El Martillo on percussion on this one. Oh, cool. Well, let's just spin a little bit of that song sure. real quick. This is uh, Shocks Lumania from the East Coast back in the day with I Have No Shoes. Shock Slumania for you with I Have No Shoes. Very rare cut, folks. And who, and who would have thought that one day they'd develop an internet just so they could play that song to everybody in the world? <laughs> That's pretty pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I love the sounds. I recall uh, when the first synthesizers were coming out. I remember when the first digital synth, the DX7, came out, and the designers were so proud they actually drew the algorithms on the outside of the keyboard. Look what we did. <laughs> you know, it was pretty crazy. Um, but now to jump back, Alan, into a couple other points real quick. Um, you mentioned you were menaced with a shotgun by Dave Navarro. That's got to be a great story. And and like uh, Dave was in, when was this? He was in a few, di- a couple different bands. Let's see. This was uh, this was an interview at Dave's house. Uh, I think it was it was you know he of course played with Jane's Addiction, right. but but he was with the Red Hot Chili Peppers at the time. I think it was okay. the one Hot Minute album. Mm-hmm. Interview at his house in the Hollywood Hills, which is a very bizarre place. Uh, uh, a real human skeleton in the bedroom, uh, <laughs> a coffin for a coffee table, very macabre kind of decoration. So we're doing photo shoot and interview. Uh, there were some. Uh, and who was this for? Was it Guitar World or was yeah, it? A this Rolling was a Guitar Stone World piece. piece. Okay. Yeah, so I was there to get the you know get the guitar low down. Right. So there, uh, we're doing costume changes for the for the photo shoot, and Dave is kind of showing off. You know, one of the makeup girls was kind of hot, and I think he wanted to be cool. Mm-hmm. He was disappearing downstairs. Come up with another costume. Disappear. Come up. Yeah, you know, costume. Like he changes nipple rings or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> one oh, of the one of the times he comes back with a honking great shotgun. Points it at my forehead. Oh my god! The barrel is. I'm, I'm not making. I'm, this is true. You know, the, the barrel is like four inches from my forehead. The, the shotgun is equipped with a light, like a like a telescopic like flashlight. The thing is shining in my eyes. Oh my god! And I think I, for, for, for some. You know, I was scared. You know, of course. And, and for some reason, I just saw the headline: journalist slain by rock star in Hollywood <laughs> Hills. And I said, well, you know, that's the worst way to go. <laughs> <laughs> There could be worse ways. So, you know, after after several seconds, which would seem like a lifetime, you know, he pulls the gun away and ha, 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 you know. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, your and, heart would just drop. Yeah, yeah. And then the epilogue, I, I, if there is an epilogue. So a few nights later, I'm sitting home with Robin, you know, watching TV. The phone rings. He goes, hi, it's Dave. Hey, hey what, what's up, man? I feel like I gave you the chef back there, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, I'm a little frightened. <laughs> I mean, I had a shotgun pointed at me once, but I was at the end of a dock, and it was my soon-to-be 
uh, father-in-law, and it was a joke he was playing too. <laughs> he marched you to the end of the dock. I trusted him, so I, I played along. But uh, it wasn't. Lo- I don't think it was loaded. You don't think so, you know? But he was a musician, and and you just wonder. They would go, I won't pull the trigger. I mean, they wouldn't, you know, it's a crazy world. Well, it's not, I mean, you know, kids, don't do this at home. It's not right. smart to fool around no. with guns And I'm like glad that. that you uh, survived that little incident. <laughs> and one other quick thing in your bio list of events here, I was, I was interested in, you said you witnessed Joe Strummer passing the torch to the Strokes in the VIP lounge at the Troubadour. Um, that would have been something to see. I just wondered if there was anything in that conversation or how did that go? Well, let's see. Why it was uh, it, it was it was when the Strokes first hit. Right, uh, big LA show show at the Troubadour, uh, famous nightclub in LA. They did their show. The Troub has this like little VIP lounge upstairs. You know, if you if you can get your name on the mm-hmm. list, you can go there. It's kind of glassed in. They got a very nice bar. You could see a little better than down on the floor. Mm-hmm. So you know, I was up there just hanging around. The show's over, and Joe Strummer was there with some friends and mates. You know, knocking a few right. back. Uh, and 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 you'd in this period, you would you would see him around L.A. a lot. I right. mean, you know, you'd see him at shows and everything. So he was there with his mates, and then you know the guys in the band come out, the Strokes, and you know Strummer. He's pretty well in his cups by this time, but but he you know you know he goes up to Julian, you know the lead guy. Mm-hmm. Goes, oh, you know you guys are you guys are gonna take over after me, you know. And, and Julian's like, man, you don't you know you don't know what you're doing to my head. Like he was he was overwhelmed <laughs> at the compliment. Oh no doubt. Yeah, but I mean you know that's all it was. Well, but. and I never met Joe Strummer, but my impression is that. He never said that to anybody else, ever. I was really surprised to hear him say that. I mean, even, you know, and, and at the time, the Strokes were really hot. They were right. they were kind of the great white hope of this new neo-garage movement and right. everything, which was cool. Right. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was taken aback to hear that. Yeah, because the impression would be that he'd pick on that band to go and say, you'll never, you'll never be who I was. You know, that's what you picture, you know, that he would try to defend that territory, you know. Yeah, I think he was a very, I, I never really met him or anything, right. but I, I think he was a really generous guy, you know, that, supportive of other yeah, musicians. Yeah, that certainly sounds like it. That would have been a fun thing to watch. And you were you were rescued on a mountainside by Rancid. What what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, that was a, that was a warp tour. Some Robin, where was it? Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And uh, oh, let's see. I got I got to be a little diplomatic here, but <laughs> well, there's no FCC. We're not on the radio, but it will live forever, twenty four seven on demand streaming. So yeah. Uh, the interview was organized by a, a publicist who was like. Someone, I, I would say he has something of a reputation in the industry for being the most unhelpful publicist on earth. You know, mm-hmm. he, 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 he won't give you the time of day. You know, you, you don't even know where the interview is going to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a warp tour way up on this mountain. You know, I had to park my car way down below. Big, long day of drama. Tim, Tim Armstrong didn't want to do his interview. He had a migraine. He was feeling bad. A big, long day of rolling with the punches and, you know, finally getting some, some stuff in the can. And uh, so it's time to go home. And I say to this publicist who shall remain, hey, maybe, can, you, can you organize a ride for me to the bottom of the mountain? It's getting dark. And I'm, I'm, we're on a mountain, you know. And basically no help, you know, no, no assistance. You know, there's little carts, you know, <laughs> assistants were driving people. You know, I, he couldn't organize a cart. So I just start walking down the mountain. I don't, I'm, I'm not even sure where I'm going. I mean, this is the woods. And, and uh, it starts to rain, like the end of the world, you know. <laughs> and I've, I've probably got a good three miles to get down the mountain in the right. pouring rain and find where I left my car. So I'm just trudging down the road, so the station wagon pulls up. Hey, you want to ride? It's the guys in Rancid. <laughs> I think I had to, you know, I had to, I had to climb in the back with the amps and everything. But cool. uh, you, you know, got a ride. They saved my butt. Yeah, yeah. That is awesome. And then we're and then we're driving down the mountain, and I think it was Tim turns to me. You know, you interviewed us before. Oh, cool. I said, well, yeah, yeah, sure. I don't, you know, why why bring that up? Big deal, you know. But so yeah, they were really cool guys. Really That's nice. That's very cool. Well, you know, it is, it's funny. Why would they bring that up? It's interesting. I think that in a guy in your role to an artist, you're like a gatekeeper. And even though from your point of view, you might be, I, I get to do this for a few minutes. And I got to go talk to somebody else. And I try to find something I can dig about you so it's, I'm not picking on you, you know. <laughs> um, you don't feel like a gatekeeper. 
but but uh, that role is golden to those guys, and they they don't forget, especially a review that supports them in some way artistically. I always felt like yeah, I'm I'm there to be the the eyes and ears of the fan, you know, right. especially before internet access now. Right. People have much more opportunity to, to see the artists, hear them. I mean, I'm I'm privileged to be in the room. I'm here to to see, to ask what the fan wants to know. Right. You know, because I'm just a fan myself. Yeah, and so sometimes it's probably tough to go. You know, I really want to tell everybody these guys are dick into the band. It's horrible, and I just can't stand these guys. But you, that doesn't serve anyone. So unless you're doing hit pieces, you know, that's got to be tough sometimes. Speaking of all those, all the writing you have done, we've just talked about some funny stories, but you've done some, interviewed some incredible, you know, players historically, like Keith Richards and Pete Townsend and Jeff Beck and Billy Gibbons. And um, any stories about interviewing those guys? That's oh, kind of uh, to share. well, they're all great. You know, Townsend was always a real hero of mine. So, uh-huh. uh, and he is well known as like one of the great interviews in rock, mm-hmm. just extremely well spoken. So, you know, that's always a pleasure to speak with him. Mm-hmm. Keith as well. You know, Keith, you never know where or when it's going to happen exactly, and there's always a little drama on the front end. But once you sit down, coolest <laughs> guy in the world. Gibbons is a total trip because you, uh, again, a wonderful guy, and, you know, we've spoken many times, and, and he's been very supportive of me. And uh, But you kind of just, you don't do an interview. I mean, normally, you know, you, you right. would sit down as, as, as you and I and Nikki are seated here mm-hmm. and do an interview talk. Gibbons... He's very friendly. He wants to hang with you. He does not want to sit down and do the Q&A. <laughs> so he will do anything and everything in his power to kind of deflect you from, from that. First time I interviewed him, was it was also interview with photo shoot. We're in a hotel room in Houston with two strippers who had been laid on for the, uh, you know, you know, for the photo shoot because ZZ Topper associated right. with sexy girls and everything. So. It's just like Billy is stalling and stalling. We never get to do the interview. It, it, it's, you know, like it's finally time to go to bed. So, you know, okay, we'll do it tomorrow. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I frantically get back to the hotel room and rearrange my flight out and everything. I get there the next morning and he wants to do a photo shoot with me now. It's like anything. Right. <laughs> so what did you what did you discover? You had to find a way to actually just spend time with them and sneak snippets of conversation out? I mean, how, how did you get yeah, the interview in? Yeah, that's, that's in? kind of it. you, you got to do the hang and work it in. And another another time, we just drove around New York, you in know, Jack. Guitar World. This was this was back before the internet destroyed everything, and, you know, and there was money. So Guitar World hired a car, and we, then we just drove around Manhattan. Like, so he night. never felt like he was being interviewed, kind of. It that's just, amazing. Yeah. feels like he's talking. That is wild. So you got to roll with it. I mean, every interview, you just got to, you know, you just kind of check the lay of the land out, get a feel, tune into the energy of the person that you're talking to, and just try to go with it. That is crazy. Keith Richards, you mentioned to me that you were a, you had an early Stones influence. Yeah, I always, I always say that uh, I had my first out-of-body experience thanks to the Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no drugs. I was all of like 11 years old, but... You know the Beatles had hit. I'm I'm in that baby. I'm in that boring baby boom generation that you know saw the Beatles and Ed Sullivan and got excited and you know mm-hmm. following you know, every whoever came along next the Dave Clark Five and all of them. What was one of your favorite early Stones records? Uh, well, uh, the first one I heard was their first American single, "Tell Me." I remember that uh, I was in front of my parents' suburban home, you know, leaning on our red 1961 Rambler or whatever it was, and this record came on, and it was just unlike anything I'd ever heard, you know. And, and I'd, by that time in life, I'd heard a lot. I'd heard the early rock and roll, all of that. But this record just had just – I'm at a loss for words in a way. Wow. It, it, it just had such a profound effect on me. There's kind of mystery in, in, the, in the track. Well, let's uh, let's spin the Rolling Stones. Tell me, at least a piece of it, anyway, and kind of take us back to uh, when you were 11 years old and listening to this thing come on the radio. Yeah, and yeah, and somehow I got somehow when the song was over, I was I was in back of the house. I had no I, I had no memory of walking there. I had no idea how I got there. So wow, I don't know where I was for those three minutes, but it was it was someplace good. That's pretty cool. Let's hear. It. This is Tell Me by the Rolling Stones. I want you back again I 
touch your love again I know you find it hard to reason with me But this time it's different segment sam says sam are you there sam is here how you doing I'm, od i'm doing great how are you doing pretty good thank you good to talk to you tonight i've got a couple guests in the room i've got nikki di giorgio hi sam how are you hi co-host how you doing <laughs> doing well good to hear That's from you good. again good to hear from you and our special guest today is alan diperna alan is here hello sam hello alan how are you i'm good i'm good how are you Good to hear from you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I have fond memories of bringing you around the Musical Instrument Museum. Yeah, we did have a nice time, didn't we? Yeah, that was great. That was great. Are you you still there? Nope, nope. I've moved on. Just uh, writing away, working on a book. Ah, 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 ah. Well, good luck to you, and uh, hope you make a lot of dollars. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) In fact, Alan was just sharing us an interesting uh, story about uh, interviewing Billy Gibbons, and I recalled that uh, Billy was on... A track of yours on your last record called "If I Had No Lutes." The last, uh, the, the 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 one of the last records that uh, was done with Randy Jackson. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he came by just to, uh, somebody had told him that I was recording there at uh, at the studio, 
And he came by and we talked and talked and carried on. So when the thing started, he said, boy, that sounds good. You know, that sounds good. So Randy said, well, you want to play? He said, well, I don't have my, I don't have my ax, man. So he said, well, it's early and you're not that far from the, uh, the studio. So why don't you go get it? So he went and he brought his Louis Vuitton <laughs> case down and his guitar and he sat right there in the studio and uh, put his uh, put his part down and boy it made a whole lot of difference it was funky <laughs> yeah. so yeah that was that was wonderful yeah you can tell listen you know they did I thank you yeah oh oh that's right that's right I recall that they did do that I yeah they did you. I in, in so a small version but yeah they did I thank you that was a groovy heavy yeah. version I remember that yeah yeah Billy is Billy Billy is he's a character man <laughs> we were talking about that yeah oh yeah alan was is. talking about how hard the interviews were because billy just wouldn't do them he would he would do anything to get out of it and make you follow yeah him yeah he, that, hey yeah he, he he just i don't know he doesn't i don't know whether he's spoiled or what it is and i don't want to speculate <laughs> but yeah he, he's kind of hard to to pin down to do an interview or anything else a man of mystery yeah, but you know, those guys have had a wonderful, is having a wonderful, while they're still out there, they're having a wonderful career. Yep, a lot of hit records too. You know, and on this track, um, Nika Costa's on this song as well. Yeah, she, um, she did it. I, you know, I never understood it because this young lady, this young lady can sing. She's a powerhouse. God, can't she? She's another Becca Bramlett, you know what I'm saying? And I never knew, I never understood, I guess, why she, no one ever moved her up to where she should have been, man, you know? Yeah, like her talent deserves. Oh, doesn't it, doesn't it, man? I mean, I really, I really enjoyed her. Well, and I think and, this, uh, this track's a good feature for her, too. I think you guys sound great together on it. Oh, that was, you know, it was just wonderful. Well, you know what, well, Randy put all that together. I didn't because I had, as I did my part, I went home, you know, went you back know, to the hotel. You come back, what'd but, you do for me today, Randy? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah that, that, I always do that. I do it to you. you that's know? the producer's job, man. It's just, you know, and Randy did a yeah, great job. If, if, I'm, if, I'm if, if I feel like it's that and I get a A-OK from you, is that it? Is that <laughs> auto? Yeah, I like that. Okay, see you later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and who gets all the glory? Sam. Yeah, the, God, the star, you did it, right? man. I'm telling you. Well, listen, we're going to spin that record and uh, can't wait to hear it. So, um Coming up is If I Had No Loot off of Overnight Sensational. This is Sam Moore's cut, and it also features Nikki Costa and Billy Gibbons. So, Sam, thanks for chatting with us. Hey, good to talk to you tonight, guys. You got it. Thanks, Sam. Thank thanks, you, Sam. big lady. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Already take care. And here's take if care, I had, okay. You do soon. If I Had No Loot. Disappear on me Can't trust no one 
a great ending that's a fun song and uh sam and nika sound great together i just think it's a great combination uh, we also ran through uh, tell me by the stones i'm sure that was way before your time nikki hey hey auto watch it <laughs> it's funny because when nikki and i talk music you know it's like uh do you have you heard of these guys i'm like no and then that? i say have you heard of these guys he's no yeah <laughs> go very, back and forth but we both agreed on the Mowgli's. You were a big fan of theirs yes. when, I, when I mentioned them when you were in. Mm-hmm. And you knew, you were the one who knew they were going to be in that town. they were in Crescent Ballroom just, what yeah. was that, two weeks ago? Yeah. So that was kind of fun. And so I actually, uh, in, in being introduced to them, went out and bought their newest record, Kids in Love. And man, I've been spinning it in my car. It's one of my favorite records right now. Nice. If you don't have it. Glad I can teach you a couple things. <laughs> <laughs> hey, never too old to learn. <laughs> right, Alan? You're still learning. Yeah. Oh, speaking of this, I, there's something I wanted to I wanted to throw at you guys real quick. You've been together for a long time since you were kids. Happily ever after is what we're looking at here. But in the news, sick, isn't it? You know what, man? I love it. And and because I'm still as a romantic, and maybe a lot, a lot of songwriters are, I still believe in happily ever after and forever. I think it's that's the way it's supposed to be, and it's right there. It's all about getting the right people and both parties being into it. You know. It's a but Taylor Swift announced today. I'm a big fan of hers, not her music. I haven't heard much of it. Not that I wouldn't love it, but I love her career. I love the way they've handled stuff. I love how she's she handles social media incredibly. But she made the announcement that she's come to understand that there's no such thing as happy ever after in the real world. <laughs> At twenty whatever, you know. And so I thought I need to introduce her to you guys. Nikki, get Taylor on the phone. We'll get Taylor. <laughs> because she just hasn't met the right people. Right. Because don't don't be that young and lose hope in in that. It's yeah, not a fantasy. Sad. It's life is a pair. Sharing life is it's a, it's a life together. It's just a different experience than solo everywhere bumping into people, you know? It's just a different 
experience. I think it's incredible, and I think it's cool that you guys were in a band together back in the day, and you're still working together. You grow together, and and uh, you know that beautiful stuff in those songs is real. Love is real. Mm. I know. It's it's kind of wild. And the first time you really are in love, you listen to all those happy songs and go, "Oh my God, that's awesome!" And and before it was like, "What a stupid thing," <laughs> you know. And then you go, "Oh, I get it now. I guess I just was never in love before." But uh, it's kind of wild. And now, currently, you've come through all of that. You're still in music and, and uh, as a musician, and you're still writing. But you worked on a local project for an artist on Canyon Records. And that was uh, Brianna Lee Pruitt? Pruitt? Brianna Lee Pruitt, yeah. Uh, artist, artist from Northern California, really gifted singer-songwriter, great lyricist, really, really talented all-around woman, a filmmaker, a writer. Oh, wow. uh, Really great, really great vision. Really, really positive person. Uh, Seems so, a bit of a stretch for Canyon Records t- to me, unless I haven't been paying enough attention to their roster. Uh, well, she's part Native, and uh, Canyon Records is you know right. Native, Native American, American. It seems Indian, a quite a bit. I guess it's maybe the poppiest production style of the thing that I've heard. Maybe. Yeah, That's the best way to put it. Yeah, well, well, I give a lot of credit to Canyon's director of production, Stephen mm-hmm. Butler, who was mm-hmm. you know the producer on this project. He's mm-hmm. a dear, dear friend. Mm-hmm. He and I share a lot of this. Yeah, we're about twenty years different in age. You know, I, I'm a bit older than him, uh, mm-hmm. but we share a lot of the same taste in music. We it's really love record. world music. Uh, he kind of knows a little bit about you know like my style as a guitar player and a keyboard player, and, and so he thought. You know, I I would be a good person to contribute something to Brianna's record. So, this uh, the song we're going to hear is from her new EP, which is digital only, internet okay. only, but it's called "We Come in All Colors." This is the title track. Uh, Very cool. Yeah. Let's just spin a little bit of that. We come in all colors. Brianna Lee Pruitt.
Hey, this is Otto D for the Wallman Eye Center. I've been wearing trifocals with three different prescriptions in each lens for years, and I was always jerking my head up and down, side to side, as I tried to find the right part of the lens to look through. It was always annoying. I decided I'd had enough, and that's why this year I sought out Dr. Wallman at the Wallman Eye Center, a trusted ophthalmologist in Arizona for over 30 years. The Wallman Eye Center is the only facility in Arizona using the latest custom topography guided laser to assist in detailed mapping of the surface of your eyes. In my one-on-one consultation with Dr. Wallman, he described how he could tailor the process to match my eyes, giving me the comfort level I needed to trust him and his staff to do the procedure. If you want freedom from your prescription glasses or contacts, then trust me, it's time for your tailored LASIK outcome. You can count on Dr. Wallman at the Wallman Eye Center. I did, and I couldn't be happier. Call 602-222-2020. That's 602-222-2020. Now that's a phone number for an optometrist, and his address is 2020 North Avenue in Central Phoenix as well. Worked out pretty well. Well, listen, Alan, that's a really cool tune. Love your work on the harmonium on the front and the guitar work. Thank you. It's a very cool record. And that's, that's actually available now to yes. the marketplace. And the EP, digital EP, is of the same title, We Come in All Colors. Right, yeah. Probably com. Robin, do you remember the actual URL? But Okay. Yeah. Google well, her name. Yeah, I was going to say it's Googleable <laughs> these days. Yeah. So, Alan, we have a segment on our show where we talk about our guest's favorite John Lennon song. So can we have yours, please? Well, it's a different one every day, but uh, <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. Lately, I've been I've been loving and I've been thinking about Strawberry Fields forever. Ah, uh, it's a good one. <laughs> That's a great tune. And this segment is sponsored by Randall Hedden, America's foremost speed painter, who also does a John Lennon in about five minutes on a five foot by five foot spinning black canvas. He paints it upside down. You don't know what he's doing, and it shows up, and there it is. It's, wow. it's amazing. Wow. And speaking of John Lennon artwork, I am John Lennon in a tribute show called The Working Class Heroes Show, and we actually have a gig coming up on Sunday at the, work, at the Wild Horse Pass Hotel and Casino at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and that's the only plug I'll give you for that show. <laughs> but if you're not doing anything, come on out and see the band. It's a fun show. 90 minutes of John Lennon music and me in a wig, so it's kind of fun. <laughs> so here's a little Strawberry Fields Forever. Works out. 
strawberry fields Nothing is real And nothing to get hung about Strawberry fields forever love how in the old records uh, you could pan the drums all to one side and no one called it a bad mix <laughs> you, know, you could do what you wanted artistically it hadn't been done and it was all fascinating and there's this little loop at the end of the record I always forget about it sounds like a circus going by this was a pop record like 1967, 68. Yeah, and, and can you imagine, on the radio, I mean, I remember working with clients in recent years. Um, in fact, one particular keyboard player is out with Usher, uh, but he's strong, and he, we were working on a record, and we did something a little silly, and he kind of laughed, and I said, what? He goes, Clear Channel would never let us do that. I'm like, what do you mean? Clear Channel would have us change it before they'd play the record. And we were talking about the keyboard part. Mm. <laughs> you know, a little mm. simple thing. And another record I'd done where they said we turned the kick drum and snare drum pattern around on a rock record, and it was like radio will never play it. That's a subtle little thing not accepted. This is nuts, crazy stuff, and everything was everything was accepted if it was fresh and new. These guys were pushing the envelope, you know, because they were the Beatles. You yeah, know? they were they were the biggest thing in the universe, and they and they and they took advantage of that opportunity yeah. creatively to really you know blow our minds with some incredible. And like you stuff. said uh, during the song, everybody chased him. Everybody was better because it was a competition to be creative. It's yeah. a fascinating time. Yeah. Well, we're not in the 60s anymore. We're in the internet days doing radio, and our show is up. So, Alan, thanks so much for coming in, man. It's been oh, fantastic. Oh, thank you, Otto and Nikki, for, for having me. Yeah. Thanks. And I, we didn't get to talk about your book, but I'm looking forward to the book coming out on Double Day in 2016. Yes. That's going to be, be exciting. Be a new book. And uh, if you can't wait, there's one called Guitar Masters Intimate Portraits that's available now. You can Perfect. You can get it on Amazon. And, and that's uh, a lot of interviews and... Interviews with a lot of the people we've been talking about, Fantastic. stories, Keith Richards, Jeff Beck, Pete Townsend, all those all those guitar heroes. Very cool. Well, I see you have a copy there. I might not let you out of the building yep. with that. <laughs> Taking that <laughs> home with me. That. All right, man. Well, thanks again. And everybody, Thank thanks for listening. This will be uh, 24-7 on, online, so feel free to tell your friends to listen as well. And next week, I have a local artist. It's hard to call him a local artist because he plays in Germany and Italy as much as he seems to play in Arizona, but it's Brian Chartrand. Spent some time with Brian. Yeah, yeah Nikki, you like that. And uh, check out some of his music on a show that we call... The Record Industry with Otto D. 